Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. All right, we're going to talk to Tristan Snell here in just one second. But first, got to talk to you about our Patreon page at BobSuskaShow.com. You might have noticed that most other podcasts only post one show a week or maybe even one show a month. But here, we record three free shows every week in order to keep up with our politics. Actually, make it six shows if you include the After Party on Fridays and the Shadow Docket bonus shows on our Patreon page. And since we're not part of a cable news network or a fancy corporation, we rely on your support to keep producing upwards of six shows a week. And the best way to support The Bob Seska Show is to sign up for $5 a month at bobseskashow.com. That's pennies per episode and only $60 per year. And it helps us keep up with the fire hose of news every day. Again, that's bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow. And now let the cartoons begin. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Today's Rachel Maddow Show Award for Headline Excellence goes to Bob Seska. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, January 31, 2024, and this is the Bob Seska Interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 1106 of the Biden-Harris administration, 279 days until the 24th presidential election. You find me on threads and Instagram at TheBobSeska, Twitter, BobSeska underscore go, and our Patreon page is BobSeskaShow.com. Well, the great Tristan Snell is here today to talk about his brand new book, Taking Down Trump, 12 Rules for Prosecuting Donald Trump by someone who did it successfully. It's out right now. I got a link in the description, of course. Tristan's one of the New York prosecutors who helped take down Trump University. Plus, you probably know him from MSNBC, CNN, and The Stephanie Miller Show. We recorded today's show, by the way, while waiting for an announcement from Judge Angoron in Trump's civil fraud trial. So chances are you're hearing this podcast after the judgment has been handed down but Tristan also provides some preemptive analysis that will shed some light on what's next for Trump and his finances. So you should be listening to this one. Meantime, don't forget to support this podcast by subscribing to us on Patreon, bobseskashow.com. Okay, this is me and author Tristan Snell. More fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show. We're all waiting for Judge Ngoron today. So the, I know, the that's longer right. we delay, the better off I think we're going to be. I, I've been suffering from this thing, Tristan. Every time I do a show, 
as soon as I'm finished recording, that's when all the breaking news lands. Like seconds after I'm done oh, yeah. recording a show. And it's driving oh, me crazy. Of that's, that's of course how it goes. Well, I mean, part of it with the courts, though, is that they like we're not going to get Angor on until about until after four. OK, I, be, I bet you I bet you I bet you anything. Damn it. I have having worked for a federal judge for a year. I can tell you that the, the, the key is you want. If you have a deadline in mind, you're going to go all the way up to the end. That's what every lawyer will always do. <laughs> and then it has to be five because otherwise the clerk's office downstairs won't be able to actually publish it. Yeah. Uh, and you need to get there before they go home for the day. So that's why all the court things often come out at five. So do you think it's going to be today? Oh, yeah. I doubt he would have gone there and said, look, he could blow his own deadline and say, uh, oh, shoot, we didn't get it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but if they make a public commitment to do something by a certain time, they usually hit that. Okay. Do you have any predictions about uh, what Trump might have to pay? I think it's going to be at least two hundred million, uh, and it could be all the way up to the three seventy or more. I, I don't think he's going to go lower than that. That's my bet. I think it's going to be a bit very big number. Do you think Judge Ngoron is someone who would add money just because of Donald Trump's behavior in the courtroom? He could, but I think he might be a little bit wary of doing so uh, because of the sensitivity of this. I, I, I do think it's possible that he could go higher. Yeah. Uh, but I think that there's a difference between the, I don't know, the seal of approval of a jury doing it, mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, these are random citizens who are serving, as opposed to a judge who already had a very bright spotlight shown on him. If I were in Goron, I would not go a penny over 370 just because I don't want to create something that then makes more problems on appeal. I think and one judges of hate getting overturned. That's like the I thing see. they hate the most. So I, I just don't think he's going to do anything that will put more of a target on him. Do you see any reason? And obviously you don't have any of the facts that would be handed down today in hand, but do you see any reason why something like this would be overturned on appeal? I mean, is there any, real possibility of that happening? So there is for a part of this. So I think we need to break apart the three different things that are going on here. One okay. is the question of, is he liable for fraud? Mm -hmm. I think that's going to stick. Okay. Uh, number two is if he's liable, uh, how much does he have to pay in, in, in uh, disgorgement and restitution to the state? Uh, and that, that number could go down on appeal uh, it, it sometimes does on appeals, just in the same way that the Eugene Carroll number might go down on appeal. But it'll go but in th those cases. I don't think I don't see it going down by like, you know, 90 percent. I see it going down by like 20 percent. OK, so then there's the third question, which I think is the much more interesting one and is going to really draw a lot of the attention on appeal is going to be Angoron's uh, determination that the corporation uh, licenses should be canceled and the corporations should be put, they're not, uh, they're LLCs, but that these corporate entities should be placed into receivership, that the corporate charter should be canceled. Uh, and then what would happen is a, a third party appointed, uh, pardon me, a court appointed third party receiver, uh, similar to in a bankruptcy case, would then be controlling those entities, would liquidate them. And then if there's anything, the money would first go to creditors. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything left over, it would get distributed to Trump. It's not like it's not like he would not get the proceeds. Yeah. But the problem is, I think a lot of those properties are so deeply in hock that <laughs> I don't know. I think he's underwater on a number of them. 
uh, I think a lot of that money would then go, or all of it in some instances, would go to the various banks that lent him the money. And he could end up losing one, losing control of one of these buildings and getting zero dollars for it because he because it's actually underwater. Uh, and there, that is a penalty that is provided for in the statute here, this statutory fraud provision under New York law, which is called Executive Law 6312. Mm-hmm. The question is going to be, is it merited in this case? Uh, the law provides that it has to be repeated and persistent fraud and illegality. I think it very much me- that, that, that Trump's misconduct, that the Trump organization's misconduct and that of their various uh, uh, subsidiaries very much fits the bill. But that's going to be the big issue, uh, in my view, on appeal, uh, because if he loses control of those entities, that's how he's able to keep this house of cards up is that he's generating revenue from these buildings, uh, particularly the ones in New York. I mean, most of his golf courses have been money losers always. Uh, Some of these buildings in New York at least generate revenue that he then can use to service the debt uh, and and, and pay for other things like all of his legal fees, although now he really looks like he's grabbing all of that money from his uh, political donors. Yeah. He, it's very clear, the signs are very clear to me, as, as sort of a longtime, you know, investigator and watcher of these situations with him, Hmm. I believe that he is facing a liquidity crisis. Uh, and I, and I think that the next, I think that these cases in New York last week and this week are going to push him over the edge. Yeah. Right. I mean, how does he pay uh, without being as as liquid as he says that he is, which, you know, if you believe his deposition, it was, he said 400 million in cash that he had, but who the hell knows? He loves to exaggerate, doesn't he? He loves to exaggerate. Uh, you know, yes, again, that we bear in mind, you know, most people probably know roughly the square footage of their house or their apartment. Uh, (laughs) Donald Trump, exaggerated the size of his apartment by three times, by 300%. It was a 10,000 square foot condo. Uh, by the way, wouldn't that be nice? That, that's, that's, that's lovely for him. Right. But he said it, not to be satisfied with that, which it would be palatial pretty much anywhere. It's, it's, it's absolutely titanically large yeah. by Manhattan standards. But no, 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 no. Because I think he wanted to be able to brag that he had one of the largest residences in New York, if not the largest, he exaggerated the size, and he also wanted to get these preferential uh, loan deals. Yeah. He exaggerated the size of his unit by uh, by by three x and said it was yeah. thirty thousand square feet. So yeah, four hundred million dollars that he's liquid. I don't buy it. Right. Otherwise, why did he have to take fifty million dollars worth of political donations last year mm-hmm. to pay for his legal fees? Otherwise, why did he take forty million dollars out of the Trump organization in violation of a court order? Uh, last year, yeah. uh, where he wasn't supposed to touch those assets to pay off a $29 million tax bill and to pay uh, the money that he owes E. Jean Carroll from last year's case. So I don't think he's liquid. And I think right. this is going to make things immeasurably worse. He's going to be in really deep trouble, I think. What happens when you uh, lie like that under oath? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I would imagine it's it's a number that can be quantified through documents. Uh, does it even matter? I mean, are we so deep into it, into the weeds by going there that it doesn't even matter that he may have lied about his liquid assets? You know, that's a good point that he actually could, in theory, be uh, be investigated for perjury. Yeah. Uh, would would anybody bother to do that? I don't 
know. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, I think that the attitude that prosecutors would probably take to that one, or at least it would be if it were if it were me making the decision, is let's just kind of put that in a in a drawer and yeah. forget about it right now. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and keep track of the statute of limitations on it, but just kind of table that one for now. Mm-hmm. Put a pin in it because yeah. we've got we've got bigger fish to fry. Like, let's go see about these, you know, conspiracy to topple the government and, and, uh, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, and espionage act. Uh-huh. Yeah. And espionage act violations before we worry about, uh, about perjury. Mm-hmm. Not that that's anything to sneeze at, but I would probably just like, you know, put that one away for, for now. Yeah. There's so many more things that you can prosecute that would be more effective, right. Uh, in terms of a result than going after this yeah. one, one little thing that I think we we're all seeing now, uh, based on his, uh, April deposition. But, uh, one of the comments I'm getting a lot, Tristan, is that Trump is going to refuse to pay, whether it's the Eugene Carroll, judgment or whether it's the the fines related to uh what will hopefully happen this afternoon uh what are the mechanisms in new york state for example that will force him to pay these things one way or another be it fines or civil judgments so with any judgment then you can go back to court to enforce the judgment uh and then you basically turn the judgment into a court order Mm -hmm. and then that has other ramifications uh, there's lots of ways that the state or Carroll would be able to get at Trump. They'd be able to place liens on the properties. Uh, so they would get paid ahead of anybody else if the property ends up getting sold. But they also can put liens on uh, on bank uh, on on bank uh, checking accounts uh, and on income. So the so basically, if Trump wants to keep on collecting rent on tenants in Trump Tower, mm-hmm. uh, you can go basically put a lien on the uh, on the on the revenue stream there and actually get at it. So the and the bank will comply. Uh, and there's no bank uh, around that 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 he can use that would then not want to comply with with a court order from the state of New York because every bank on the planet, you know, obviously not every bank. There's banks in places that don't care whether or not they have a branch in New York, but no large bank can get away with not having a presence in New York. Yeah. yeah. So there, there are plenty of ways that you would be able to get at money for him. So mm-hmm. even if he, even if he were to refuse to pay one thing that we need to note for, for everybody listening is that these cases may end up having a long tail of appeal coming up where it may mm-hmm. be a year or more before we find out both the E.G. and Carroll case and the New York AG case. It may take a while for these things to go up on appeal. Uh, you know, there's not. You can't really say that either. Either one of those cases has some sort of important public interest, um, like the election cases do, uh, where you know we're seeing D.C. Circuit and SCOTUS expedite their uh, their decision making around the immunity issue mm-hmm. uh, in the D.C. January 6th case. You know, that's because of the public interest involved in in kind of getting to the bottom of that. And we're seeing that DOJ has successfully lit a fire under those various judges, although maybe it's not hot enough. I'd love to see them move even faster. (laughs) But but I think that when it comes to the one thing I'd love to see, and I'd love to see this argument get made in these New York cases, both Carroll and the New York AG case, they should be arguing that Trump could move assets around to evade judgment yeah. and as proof of that they could point to his 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 uh his improper and 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 uh in violation of court order 
uh, transfer of money out of the Trump organization last year, the $40 million I was alluding to, I would be using that as an example of saying, hey, he's going to if he's going to move assets around uh, and evade the court ordered monitor. And now he's also under investigation for potentially falsifying uh, or otherwise providing incorrect information to the court ordered monitor. And that's separately being investigated here. Couldn't it be possible that he's going to find some way to creatively get rid of some of uh, some of the assets that would be used to pay these judgments Mm -hmm. and thereby the appeals should be expedited to make it less likely that he can engage in these shenanigans if I were the AG's office, for example, I would definitely be wanting to make that argument. I don't know if it'll fly, uh, and we may be stuck with sort of the normal speed of an appeal process, which is to say not speed. Uh, <laughs> appeals yeah. processes usually take a while. Uh, and I think that, of course, they're going to be really being extra careful when it comes to these cases because they don't want to mess them up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, get ready, everybody. It may be a little bit anticlimactic. We're going to get these big judgment numbers, but then we're, they're going to go up on appeal and we may not hear a whole lot about those cases for the rest of this year. Uh, not to, you know, not to rain on people's parades, but uh, yeah. I think we need to be prepared for that. So is in the uh, AG James case, the Judge and yep. Goron case, is there still yep. that mechanism for uh, if you want to appeal the, the so there's the pay to play uh, mechanism that we're seeing yes. in place for the uh, civil for the uh, uh, E. Jean Carroll case? Does that also apply to the uh, whatever judgment is handed down today? Yes. So we 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 would be looking at some kind of bond situation in all mm. likelihood there. Uh, and then we'll have to see how that actually gets done in in, in practice. But it's yeah. possible that that we're gonna that that Trump is gonna have to put up some money um, in order to uh, in order to basically uh, keep that judgment in place mm-hmm. uh, to to be able to satisfy that requirement pending appeal. Uh, and and just even having to come up with that money alone, uh, which it could be somewhere in the neighborhood of fifteen to eighteen million that that could also be onerous <laughs> yeah. um so yeah it's it, this is going to get interesting mm-hmm. um you know just putting up a just, just yeah just satisfying that court requirement on a 83 million dollar uh jury verdict that's going to be problematic and then he may have to do it again on a number that i expect from the i, I i'm expecting judge Angoron to come up with a number that'll probably be somewhere between 200 million and the 370 million that the AG's office is asking for. Right, right. And so that'll be yet another number that, that Trump then needs to come up with at least part of mm-hmm. in order to get it into the appeal process. Okay. So also on Twitter, you asked whether Trump is illegally using campaign money to pay his legal bills. And we know for a fact that he's using super PAC money, right? And right. is that in and of itself legal? I mean, what are the uh, guardrails around doing something like this? You know, with the caveat that I'm not, you know, I, I posted as a question in part because I was kind of hoping and I, I need to go look at the comments again. Oh, okay, to see if I see. Else is piped right. up. I really was meaning it as a bit of a question for legal Twitter, but also for journalists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I'm not an election lawyer. That's a very specialized area of law. I see. Okay. Uh, but the folks who do it really well will hopefully be able to chime in on this. It is a question that I think at least at least we need to hear commentary on whether or not people experts think that is. And I do believe that uh, that we need to be looking into uh, 
There need to be journalists looking into this. And I think that even if uh, some of these monies are coming from the super PAC, are there other monies that are coming from other campaign pots of money? Mm -hmm. Uh, We need to, those questions at least need to be asked. And I, and I, I don't really feel like they're getting paid nearly enough attention. Mm -hmm. And I think that the things that he's, you know, paying for are way beyond the pale of what a candidate should be able to pay uh, in terms of uh, covering their own personal expenses. It's one thing to say, oh, you had to go through a legitimate recount process post-election and those are legal fees that you incur and Mm. that that some kind of campaign-related pot of money can be used to pay for those legal expenses. Uh, It's another thing entirely to say, oh, my personal businesses are getting investigated for fraud. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's not something you can use your campaign dollars on. Uh, I... Uh, raped a woman and then defamed her. And Mm. now I'm on trial for that. Uh, No, you cannot use your campaign money for that. Uh, I conspired with a number of other people to try to overturn the election when I knew that there had not been election fraud. Uh, You know, he's going to argue that that's okay, that that somehow is a campaign related political legal expense that thereby he gets to use campaign dollars on. And I think there's a very good argument that that's not true. I really think that this merits at least journalistic investigation, if not legal investigation. And I'm so glad you're here today, Tristan, not only because we're awaiting Judge and Goron's uh, decision here, but uh, we also learned today that Trump is shopping around for representation, at least if you believe what he writes on uh, Truth, Truth Central, I think he calls it, uh, that he's looking for representation in his appeal of the E. Jean Carroll defamation judgment. Does this mean Alina Hobble was fired, or is it customary to secure new counsel for appeals like that? Is that something that people normally It do? actually... It, it could be a little a column A and a little a column B okay. uh, because it is customary that you would get a separate appellate counsel. That's actually very standard. So even if you win a trial, which they most decidedly did not, <laughs> but even if you win a trial, you're then going to be, you know, needing specialized appellate counsel probably. Uh, it, it's usually a very particular thing. That's a different that's a different skill set and usually a different lawyer and uh, sometimes even a different law firm yeah. from from whoever did the trial the appellate's going to be a different a different set of folks mm-hmm. however <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let us let us be clear here and I talk about I talk about Haba a good bit in my book and then I think recent events have, have borne out some of the things that I that I that I talk about in the book yeah uh, you know there's a whole chapter devoted uh, there there's whole there's a whole chapter devoted to sort of the clown car effect of 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 of, of Trump and the lawyers uh, <laughs> coming out and coming up with a bunch of diversions and mm-hmm. various entertainments and 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 uh, and counterattacks <laughs> and whatnot. and that they're going to basically they're going to just flood the zone with a bunch of garbage, and you need to not pay attention to most of the things they put out there mm-hmm. and focus on the signal, not the noise is how I put it in the book. Right. Uh, that's, that's one of the rules in the book. And I think it's well advised for any lawyers going up against Trump, but Haba has brought quite the clown car effect mm-hmm. with a lot of these things. But the other thing that I say in the book is you, what you need to do if you're the opposing lawyers with going up against somebody like Haba is wait, just wait. 
because Trump has gotten these people that are more there for spewing vitriol and coming up with a lot of like, you know, shiny object diversionary tactics. Uh, wait for those lawyers who often are not very good lawyers to make a mistake. And that's what happened here. Yeah. So Haba, you know, failed to get this case in front of a jury. All she had to do was check off a box on a form. She either did it deliberately or it was an oversight, but they needed to get that case in front of a jury and they failed to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And instead judge Angoron heard the case in the bench trial. Trump has uh, Trump and Hobb have been running around being like, Oh, we didn't get a jury. We didn't get a jury. It was not denied them. They literally just needed to check off a box on a, on a form. (laughs) <laughs> and they failed to do so. If you, if you, or if you, if your passport is too slow to arrive mm. when you get your passport or you're, or you're renewing your driver's license because you didn't check the box off on the form to then pay 20 extra dollars and get your ID delivered to you faster, do you run around screaming, they didn't get me my ID, my civil rights are being violated? <laughs> yeah. No, dumb dumb, you didn't check off the box on the goddamn form. So right. that's what's happened here, but you know, at a, obviously a higher level of abstraction, uh, uh, and sort of a, a or rather a better way to put it is, it's obviously more meaningful than not getting your ID on time. Uh, <laughs> but like, but it's the same principle. It's like, look, you didn't check off the box. The government had a form. It's very simple. Everybody can read it. They're just like, Boop. oh, look, I checked off the box, and now we got a jury. It was that simple, and they blew yeah. it. Uh, and, and there's a lot of other things too that I could get into, but you know. Uh, I'd say one more thing is that Haba and then the the way the 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 degree to which she showed a lack of respect for Judge Kaplan in that uh, E. Jean Carroll case uh, recently, plus the fact that they then, even though the judge had specifically said, we are not relitigating whether there was an assault and whether there was defamation, that liability was already decided and mm-hmm. it, in the first case, and it's carrying over to case number two. Do not touch that. What did what did Haba and Trump do? They went there. They got Trump on the stand, and they tried to start relitigating the issue. And Judge Kaplan, you know, admonished them. Told you know, told the jury to disregard. Blah blah blah. In my view, the things that Haba did in that case probably tacked on an additional thirty million dollars or more to Trump's tab. Like she lost him a whole bunch of money through her antics and lack of preparation and and lack of decorum uh, and just lack of any common sense, mm-hmm. let alone good lawyering. Like, honestly, I think that any of us that aren't lawyers being plunked into a courtroom like that would at least have the presence of mind to to stand and address the judge respectfully when needing to speak. And she didn't do that. It's, it's just like just boggles the mind yeah. but like and it wasn't the judge that decided it but then that jury watching all of this it, what it showed was a total lack of respect and key here a total lack of contrition right. there was not a single shred of contrition or anything at all uh, exhibiting some sense of shame or anything from trump and the jury threw the book at him and haba deserves a lot of the blame there so even if she wasn't fired here because it would ju- she you know, she would just get swapped out for an appellate lawyer at this point anyway. She should be. She yeah. certainly deserves to be fired. By the way, she already got benched on all of these cases once about a year ago, <laughs> yeah. and then she got brought back in mm-hmm. because Trump does this all the time. He fires a lawyer or benches them, 
and then suddenly brings them back later because he's desperate and fickle and narcissistic and thinks that his latest idea was his greatest one. And then he puts them back in after he kicked them out. Yeah. In Um, fact, uh, is this something that you've noticed in your experiences too? Like, I'm sure you've noticed that Trump often puppeteers his lawyers. He micromanages them to death. Very much so. And then he's like, why is everything going sideways? He doesn't understand why things are going badly for him. Yeah. It's just like, gosh, whoever's masterminding this legal case must really (laughs) suck at their job. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and it's just like, it's you. You're the problem. Right. Like you're the one messing all of this up. Yeah. You know, like, like, come on. Like, so, so one of the things I talk about this a good bit in the book also is that I literally, this happened as I was writing the book last year is that I was going back and looking at some of the briefs in the Trump university case Mm -hmm. that I worked on where we got the briefs from opposing counsel And here's the thing. If you've ever looked at a legal brief, uh, the argument from a lawyer, it usually is, it's honest, it's often very tough reading in part because every sentence or two, there's a whole string of citations. You're either citing to court cases or you're citing to evidence, to exhibits. And it's constantly interrupting the flow lawyers are used to it but if you're not a lawyer or uh or like a legal journalist or something like it's actually it's very tough sledding to read a legal brief mm-hmm. um but the point is that you're supposed to be bringing receipts for everything you say everything you say you're supposed to be saying where what supports that position everything like that's the point yeah that's what that's what legal briefs are that's what they do you're 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 not supposed to just like say things they're supposed to be things that are supported by the law or the facts mm-hmm. okay Simple, really, at the end of the day, even though it looks like gobbledygook on a page. It's not pretty, but it's, <laughs> but it's effective. And, and, and that's how law works, okay? Then, then you get Trump's legal briefs and his lawyers, and they'll go pages and pages and pages and pages of these briefs. And they're doing it today, too, where they don't cite a single case and they don't cite a single piece of evidence. It's just a rant for like five, six, ten pages in a row before they ever get around to being like, oh yeah, by the way, it's the blah, blah, blah case. And it's not like an oversight. It's mm-hmm. because there, there, there is no support for what he's saying. Yeah. It's just an unhinged speech. Right. And then you read them. And I went back and read these from like 2013 from Trump's lawyer at the time who went up against us in the Trump University matter. Mm-hmm. And it's like, huh, this reads a lot like a truth social rant. <laughs> exactly. Like a lot. Yeah. Like a lot, a lot. Yeah. And it's like you re I was rereading them ten years later and I'm like, I think Trump really was probably the one who came up with all of this mm-hmm. and he just gets a lawyer to put it in for him. Right. I right. think that's half I think that's half of what happens with his lawyers. I think he gets and, and he doesn't, you know, he famously, infamously doesn't use computers and and and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and texting and whatnot. Although, fun side note, except for probably Twitter DMs, and mm-hmm. I think it may end up being the thing that completely, the bombshell thing that's going to make the Nixon tapes look like a play date oh, yeah. for kindergartners yep. is going to be, is going to be, I think we're, I, I think by the end of this year, we may be talking about uh, the, one of the most important things maybe ever in American history being Trump's DMs. Yes. So let's, we'll, we'll get back to that later. Right. I think, though, that for a guy who doesn't uh, use computers and whatnot, uh, what is he doing? He's probably getting on the phone and talking to one of these lawyers 
to Haba or to one of these people from 10 years ago, whoever it was. Mm -hmm. And he just is going on and on and on and just ranting and ranting and (laughs) ranting. And then that lawyer is like trying to get down all the notes and then recreate Trump's rant, but inside the structure of a legal brief. But it basically is just an unhinged rant. And I think that's probably a lot of what he's doing. And it's just like, yeah, he he must be just sitting there thinking to himself, God, these God, whoever's whoever's managing these lawyers is doing a terrible, terrible job. And it's like, it's like, yep, that's there's. I think there's a lot of mirrors in Mar-a-Lago. Uh, yeah. Some of them might be obscured by towering boxes and classified records that we still don't know about in in some untold bathroom of that place. Mm-hmm. But he needs to go find a mirror so he can look at who's managing his legal matters for him. It's a, right. uh, right. you know, it's incredible. Man. But yeah. Okay, short break. Back with more Tristan Snell right after these words. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items, too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska. All-time favorites all day long. And, and just in the context of your book, uh, I don't want to spoil yes. all the different rules because I want people to pick up the book because it's so good. But rule number five is one that I found really intriguing, especially in this context. It's uh, one we talk about a lot. Trump screws over his vendors and business partners. Why do people still do business with him? It's staggering to me that ah, people still try to worm their way. I mean, why do lawyers continue to represent <laughs> literally the worst client in the world? What do they he think is, is the going worst to happen? In the world. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, he really is. Because he just, even if you agree with his politics, which let's just put that aside, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you agree with him on some policy grounds or what, he, he's the worst lawyer in the world because he will not pay you. Yes. Um, and you're going to get your reputation shredded because he's completely shameless and awful and so forth. <laughs> so it's just like, it's just a terrible one-two punch. You're, you're, you're going to get your reputation shredded. You're not even going to make any money off of it. Um, yeah, I think there's enough. The part, the part of the kicker for him is that I do think he's been running out of lawyers to work with him. Yeah. Uh, it's been true. Like we, we hear about these new cases come up and then he's got to do a lot of extra work to get lawyers who will represent him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what, what one of the cases, I, I, I think it was the Georgia case, like, he, it was sort of like a question mark whether or not he was going to have anybody be there to to be there for his arraignment. <laughs> yes, I remember. Like he was really struggling to find a Georgia defense attorney that would take him on. Um, now, part of it, of course, though, was that a lot of other defense lawyers in Georgia had gone the safer route of representing one of Trump's co-defendants. Mm-hmm. And arguably, you can't really, it's tough to then represent more than one defendant in a case like that because their their interests diverge. They all have a strong interest in throwing the other co-defendants under the bus. Uh, but at any rate, yeah, why do people still want to work with him? I think there's enough people that are either still starstruck by him yeah. uh, or that are desperate enough to do it as a gambit to raise their profile mm-hmm. uh, where they just know that like the, the, the Trump's ability to shine a spotlight onto himself uh, is so big that like it's going to then encompass the lawyer as well, and then suddenly it's going to take somebody like nobody knew who Alina Haba was. Yep. Before all of this, uh, you know, she had, as we all know, uh, worked as in-house counsel for a parking garage company, among other things. She then did have this firm that she had uh, founded or co-founded out in New Jersey, out in Bedminster, where uh, where Trump has one of his golf clubs. Uh, and where he spends like half the year. And then supposedly the deal is that she started, she became a member of the club and then like basically started like, you know, figuring out when he was going to be there and trying to chat him up <laughs> and managed to sort of work her way into his inner circle. Yeah. And now everybody knows who she is. Um, and I guess she's operating on the principle that there's no such thing as bad publicity, but I don't know that that's necessarily true. And I bet you that he's not paying her that I don't know that for sure, but that's just a hunch. Yeah. Um, you know, other people have managed to put their foot down and say, I need to get paid up front, including Chris Keist. Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, he, he supposedly managed to negotiate $2 million up front, but I, it may be that his fees have now climbed in excess of that. And he's not going to see that, uh, you know, it, we've, we've seen it in other things too. Rudy Giuliani in declaring bankruptcy, uh, has basically pointed to Trump as effectively one of his deadbeat, uh, you know, uh, payables mm-hmm. that, that needs to pay up uh, and that, that Trump owes him millions of dollars, uh, which also could have the hilarious effect of then pulling Trump in as a, uh, as a third party that has to answer to things in the bankruptcy. Yeah. This is going to get extremely fun. Mm-hmm. So, uh, because what happens there is that then the bank, that the trustee for the bankruptcy estate then goes to those deadbeat payables and says, pay up because the bankruptcy estate needs cash. Yeah. So somebody else, a bankruptcy trustee, may be going and shaking down Trump for Rudy's money. Um, wow. You know, fun things like that. But as yeah. I put in the book, 
you know, the key there is that it's it's not only that these people are out there, but it's also that you can you should be striking up alliances with them mm -hmm. because they can potentially break open your case. I obviously, of course, I'm sure the authorities have been doing so with regard to Rudy. And, you know, we don't know yet about what's going on with, with Rudy in some of these cases, but we don't, you know, there has not been a breakthrough that we know of. You know, we know that there was at least flirtation with a cooperation deal with DOJ. Uh, there, there, there was a uh, proffer session or, or what's called sort of queen for a day immunity. He sat down mm -hmm. with them, spilled some beans, uh, got immunity for anything he spilled that day. Uh, and that's usually a prelude to cutting a plea, to cutting some kind of plea and cooperation deal, uh, or it often is. And in this case, it didn't, we don't know. It could have happened. Yeah. Um, but in the Trump University case, as I described, it is, in fact, how we got a, one of the main vendors who uh, we needed to get a hold of had a, a pile of transcripts. Uh, there were tapes of the Trump University sessions, and they had been transcribed, and we felt that they would corroborate our victims' accounts to basically say, okay, they're like – when the students got to these classes, they were being told all these lies and all these frauds. Mm -hmm. um, and we were able to, once I brought up, Hey, uh, did you ever get paid that last bill of yours? Cause I saw an email exchange. <laughs> did you, it, it looks like you were owed about 14 grand. Did you ever get that paid? And the guy didn't really want to cooperate until I brought that up. Wow. And then it's like, and then it was, you know, we got what we needed out of him. And that was really like the turning point in the investigation. After that, we had all the evidence we needed uh, we, we had a, and we had a, and that, that really, the case was good before that. After mm -hmm. that, it was like, this is extremely solid. Like yeah. we really have this a very well-constructed case. So yeah, it's, it's a mystery to me. I mean, I, I can speculate as to some reasons why people keep working with him as I, as I did, but you know, it sure as hell isn't a smart thing to do. Right. And right. A lot of people have ruined their lives working with him Absolutely. And, and the number of small businesses that he has screwed over. I'm actually going to be writing and, and doing videos about this more in the, in the weeks to come. Cause I think it's something that needs to get out there yes, more yes. again because people have forgotten about it, mm -hmm. but he has, he has ruined so many lives. And for folks that were small business owners, you know, mom and pop businesses and, you know, for him to run around claiming that he's somehow the, 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 you know, the champion of the, uh, of, of sort of main street America and the American dream. It's like, he's anything, but he's been an absolute scourge to, you know, hundreds, thousands of small business oh, yeah. owners and, aspire, mean, and aspiring entrepreneurs. All of the Trump university students were all there to learn about real estate. Yeah. They were all budding. They were all aspiring entrepreneurs. They wanted to be like Trump mm -hmm. and he, and they were his super fans and he, he stuck the knife in and took their money. Yeah, there are scores of subcontractors and contractors in Atlantic yes. City that yes, were left. Exactly. That's one of the bag. biggest places. Let's yeah. high and dry. Mm -hmm. Yes. And yeah, and when he shuts down a business rather than pay off the bills before he shuts it down, he just shuts it down. And even though the Trump organization supposedly has all this money, he won't stand behind uh, you know, shutting down the business and paying these people. Even yeah. when the business isn't getting shut in, shut down, as soon as he has a small, a small business or even a larger business or a lawyer or whomever on the other side that he thinks he can abuse by basically saying, oh, yeah, I'll pay you later. Oh, yeah, I'll pay you later. And then it never comes. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, he did it to Michael Cohen, too. Oh, Cohen yeah. describes it in great detail in his books. Uh, Trump and, and, and Cohen got a bunch of his money uh, finally last year, having sued Trump and then got and then took it to a settlement right before trial. 
uh, last year and 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 uh, and won what I think we can imagine was probably a good settlement because Cohen knows that the key is you just have to keep pushing. Yeah, like yeah. he's gonna give you the runaround. He's going to make it difficult for you, but if you keep pushing eventually you will you will you will beat him you just need to keep pushing yeah rule number two in your book tristan is something i actually hadn't heard before that trump will try to buy the prosecutors this kind of sent a chill down my spine talk about that for a second i mean has he been successful in that enterprise before and is there any evidence that he may be doing it now He's definitely been successful at it before, where he's really co-opted a lot of these prosecutors with suspiciously timed campaign donations or promise of future support in an upcoming campaign. Yeah. Uh, you know, he did it with Greg Abbott, who mysteriously dropped an investigation into Trump University when he was the Texas AG. Wow. Uh, Texas had opened a, had opened an investigation, and then mm. all of a sudden it evaporated, and then not long after that when Abbott ran for governor of Texas the first time, uh, Trump ended up supporting Abbott, even though Trump has no business interests in Texas. And, it, and, and, before, and at that point, he was not in politics himself. You know, why was he running around donating to Greg Abbott in a state where he, had, where he has no properties? Yeah. Uh, you know, gee, I wonder. Uh, you know, and there's a whole bunch of other examples that I cite in the book. And I believe that it's one of the big ways that he evaded justice for for over 40 years from really about like 73, 1973 to 2013, when we finally brought our Trump University case against him. Mm-hmm. Um, is he actually successfully doing these kind of things today? Um, and by the way, another one of the cases that uh, I point to in the book is uh, not just about Trump, but about Don Jr. and Ivanka. So people are going to want to thumb to that <laughs> section of the book about how daddy daddy came in with his lawyers and helped make a boo-boo go away um, uh, where uh, Donnie and Donnie and Vanky almost ended up going to going to jail. Um, wow. They were going to get indicted by the Manhattan DA until until uh, Dada intervened. So uh, that that makes for some fun reading also. Yeah. And these are known things. I just tried to put them all together. Right. It, it, these were things that have been out there for a long time. They've been reported on forever. But I wanted to try to put them in context and put them in a structure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so people can see the pattern for themselves and draw their own conclusions. Is he doing that now? I actually don't think – I think he might be trying, but he's failing at it. And that's exactly why the prosecutors are finally circling in on him. Mm-hmm. Because people like Tish James – or Fonnie Willis, they're not buying it. They're, he can't, he's not going to get them to, to stop. <laughs> no. He's not managing to promise support for them. And now he's like really like attacking them all the time. The battle has been joined. It's too far gone for that. So, you know, and same with Alvin Bragg, the, the Manhattan DA. Like the, these, these folks have joined the battle. They're, they did not let themselves get co-opted. Uh, or, or, or sort of, uh, you know, charmed by the promise of donations or anything like that, uh, or threatened by, uh, by the threat of counterattacks. Uh, they went and did it. And then Jack Smith, no, 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 no. You know, like, you know, Mr. I prosecute war crimes in The Hague. Do you think that guy's going to be scared <laughs> off or <laughs> co-opted? No. no, he's no. not going to be. Mm-mm. So like, um, you know, I don't think that uh, I don't that that part of Trump's playbook is now dead. He's not getting anywhere with it anymore. And it's part of why he's losing. Yeah. 
which makes me smile and smile. Um, Tristan, do you have any thoughts about why the D.C. Circuit is taking longer than usual on the immunity question? Because they're going to write an opinion that was longer than my book. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, that's what I keep thinking about. This has to pass scrutiny with the Supreme Court as well. What they, I, I assume what they want to do. It's going to be like 200 pages long. It's going to yeah. be, we're going to get this like doorstop of an opinion <laughs> that then we're all going to have to read. I'm sure it's going to be really good. I like the DC circuit is, as a lot of people know, it is second only to SCOTUS as sort of like, and, and really today it's probably better than SCOTUS as being mm-hmm. the home of a lot of our most accomplished judges. It's extremely prestigious to get on the DC circuit. It's a very high bar. Why? Because they're often called upon to decide these kind of big weighty constitutional questions or big complicated questions of federal law that, that really make a big difference to how regulations and laws are interpreted throughout the country. Uh, when people sue the government, it's often brought in Washington and then it goes up to the DC circuit. So you, you gotta be, you gotta be really good to make it onto the DC circuit. These folks are going to do a great job. And it also means the clerks that work for those judges are also superb. Yeah. Some of the very top, you know, sort of young legal folks in the country, this is going to be a great opinion. It's also very, I, I think, I think they're really working on it and making it as perfect as they can get it. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them, but yeah, I'd like to, you know, it'd be great if that came down to, yeah. you know, w- watch it all hit together. Watch <laughs> all of it happen at like 457 today. Right. And all of a sudden we're like, ah! you know, trying to read all this stuff, you know, that's, um, that's the way these things go. Yeah. So is part of the goal to make sure that maybe the Supreme court doesn't take it up that that their ruling stands that the dc circuit's ruling stands so they're trying to cover all their bases is essentially what we're saying here it's possible i mean i think they would certainly like that but it's yeah. also like it's their chance to it, it, it's your look if you're one of those judges if you're one of those law clerks you want to make a uh you know this is a big chance to weigh in on a major constitutional issue and and something that's going to go down in history uh if you're if, if you're thinking like that, you're gonna you know you're gonna bring your A game, and you're probably gonna spend the extra time to make it as as, as great as you can make it. Mm. So uh, now, will it be enough to make SCOTUS not you know uh, do its own song and dance? I don't know about that, but even if that's true, you still want your opinion to to be there and to be as as good as you can make it. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, and they want to make it airtight because it's a it's a it's a matter of critical national importance. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it, it really, there's few that are that are more important. I mean, effectively, you're making a determination as to whether or not equal justice under law, which is what's inscribed on the front of the Supreme Court, yep. is still a thing. Is that still a thing? <laughs> uh, or are we kind of just giving up on it after 250 years? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we'll see. So one area where I'm not as hopeful, which is the question about the 14th Amendment, Section 3, as it stands before the Supreme Court, where do you think that's going to land? I think they're going to punt and not really take it on directly. I might be wrong about this. I think what they're going to do is they're going to appellate courts always have the option or not always, but they ought they sometimes sometimes and maybe often have the option of saying, you know, we need more of a factual record down below, or we need this to be worked up a bit more at the trial court level. We're going to, we're going to send it back down for further proceedings. 
And I think that maybe what they do here is to say that the factual record about whether or not January 6th was an insurrection and whether or not Trump engaged in it for purposes of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, is not sufficiently well developed. Try again, Colorado. I think that may be what they do. And that basically lets them be like, we're not going to touch this right now. And we're hoping that maybe it doesn't come back. And we don't really want to deal with this because it's like it's radioactive. Okay. Um, I don't know. But I think that like I think I think folks like Roberts are like extremely keen to like avoid pulling the court into (laughs) any other political issues right now because of the of the absolute dumpster fire that the court has turned into of late Mm -hmm. uh, with all the ethics problems and uh, and their uh, they're they're sort of going rogue on overturning Roe, all sorts of things. And I don't I, I think that there's going to be at least some thought given by I think a number of the judges to just be like, can we not deal with this? Can we maybe just kick it back and, 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 and go do something else? Yeah, um, yeah. I might be wrong, but that's, I, I, I feel like that's a very likely outcome. Okay. But we'll see. Are you feeling confident about the outcome of the November election? Where are you on that? I feel somewhat confident about it. I guess it depends on the day. I mean, I think we're going <laughs> to I think we're going to end up in a position where by the fall Trump has been convicted and sentenced in the feder in the federal January 6th case but is still a candidate for the presidency uh, as the Republican nominee. Mm-hmm. I I think this is that we are just in for an absolute train wreck this fall. Yeah. And I don't know now I think that given that if you look at the poll numbers uh there's a there's a significant number of folks who uh, if, if you ask people right now, do you think Trump do you think there's evidence that Trump committed these crimes? It's basically averages out to around like 53, 54 percent of people seem convinced mm-hmm. um, that, that, there, that there's that there's something that there was some illegality here. There were crimes committed. Uh, but if you ask people, well, let's assume there is a jury verdict and a conviction. Do you still think Trump? you know, should be standing for president. And the answer suddenly ticks up to like 60% saying no. Yeah. So I think that that gives you a preview of what could happen. I don't think it's going to mean that, that, that Trump loses 60, 40 or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I do think it indicates that there is a, there is a slice of the electorate that is potentially Trump supporting, but if Trump gets convicted, and I think especially if we see it as being fair, if we see compelling testimony from uh, witnesses, uh, that's going to be, you know, very compelling for people. The must-read book is called Taking Down Trump, 12 Rules for Prosecuting Donald Trump by Someone Who Did It Successfully. Out right now. I got a link in the description, of course, for that. Where can people follow you on social media, Tristan? Uh, I am at Tristan Snell on most platforms like Twitter and Instagram and threads. And Mm -hmm. then I'm Tristan Snell 212 on TikTok and Twitter. And then you can find out more about the book at takingdowntrump.com. Outstanding. Thanks so much, my friend. We'll talk to you again next time. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. She said, have you ever been to New York, Texas? I'm not sure anybody really has. See, Mom always said that God would bless us. If we're grateful for what it is we have. Nine weeks now and she
Bless us and bless the wayward runners of the road. But I- 